grave. Miserable Gits of the UK and beyond. This is One Foot the Podcast with your host Tom. And once again, I'm joined by Ben, who was with us for the last episode and who's listening. Thank you, Ben. How are you doing? I'm all right. Thank you for having me back. It's good. I thought, well, I thought it worked so well last time. I, th- I thought I'd have you again. Oh, good. Let's, let's hope the listeners agree. I, they definitely will. I mean, by the time this goes out, our last one episode would have been released. But um, I just thought it worked really well. There's a few other people who've inquired about coming on. I'm just waiting for them to respond. But I thought if Ben's available, I'll uh, grab the opportunity with both hands. Well, I'm always available to talk about Victor, so nice that's one. fine. So we are talking about this week. Um, it really is sort of... We, series 2 is definitely finished now. And this is a special that happens a year after Who's Listening. And, and sometime before it starts series three. So this was aired 30th of December 1991, and it's the the man in the long black coat. Have you got any instant or initial thoughts on this special? It's an interesting special. It's, it's kind of a lot of contrast between it and who's listening. I think yeah. in who's listening, there was a lot of funny events. Mm. Uh, in this, it seems to be much more led by dialogue yeah, uh, and much more led by stories. So there's characters telling stories about characters you've never met and so you have to use your imagination a lot more to follow this one but it's still a very good episode yeah and of course it has eric idle in it as we shall discover so yeah it's eric idle every one foot fan would know creator of the theme tune i just wonder if he had a written into his contract that he must appear in at least one scene or so throughout the one foot the grave perhaps i'd like to think so yeah (laughs) perhaps at this point one foot the grave is definitely at least getting established now so maybe he thought, well, it's it's getting more and more popular. Perhaps I'd like to not not to not that I'm saying he's got an ego, but um, he's a legend in his own right, Eric Idle. So, but when I first watched this, oh, I would have been a young boy. I wouldn't really have known who this chap was. Um, when you look back, he looks older than his years. He'd only been around fifty. I don't know. Uh, what I don't was it, know. Yeah. So it's, it's some thirty odd years later, and he's about seventy. So yeah, he would have been early fifties, but. I think people in this day and age can just look younger than years, younger than the years. I think with fashion, but just because he was um, he was mentioned in Dramatic Fever, wasn't he? On uh, oh on yeah, That's I don't right. know if that was his voice though. Oh yeah, he, um, when he when he is this the the snooker? Yeah, hotline? when Victor finds himself manning some snooker hotline. Yeah, and it, it is sort of Scandinavian sounding. Yeah, this is Ulrich Idol. That's here. definitely that yeah. was definitely Eric Idol. For, was it good? Sure. Good. Um, yeah, brilliant. It's a little cameo. So I guess this is his second. Yeah. Uh, appearance or the first time we see him. Mm. Oh, in the grave. Uh, but we'll go as ever. We'll start off chronolog- chronological order, and we are in scene one in the bathroom. He stopped by the clothes prop. Now he's. Turning round and walking back down again, bloody things. This is classic Victor now because he is spying on the neighbours, I assume. I, th- I thought originally he was spying on Patrick because their feud has very much picked up where we left off where Patrick unnecessarily, um, drastically shot down half their the garden Christmas gnomes. And I guess it's they're still at uh, loggerheads over that, aren't they? Yeah, I think it is Patrick he's spying on. I think at the end of this scene, Margaret comments on it. That, you know, you've got to put this behind you now and move on the pair of you acting like children. Hang on, he's coming out again. 
He's brought the shears with him to trim the honeysuckle. If he so much as snips one of my sweet peas off over that fence, I've got him. Yeah, initially, though, he was on about someone across the road, but then he was... Ah, uh, yes, of course. So but he came out to trim his honeysuckle, didn't that's he? That's it. Well, I need yes, to remember. Yes, and he said that if he, touches, if he so much as touches one of those sweet peas, I've got him. Yeah, and yeah. he's... Well, because <laughs> I don't know if... Because we in series one, Victor was always um, finding litter in his garden and hadn't have a reason to moan about the neighbours. So he's no different in this house with this neighbour. It's not yeah. like this feud has started, so he's going to spy on the neighbour. He's always been like this, as Victor. But is this actually Christmas themed? Because although we'll come to see Christmas fairy lights, Margaret says it's been seven months. You, you know, you still can't get over it. So seven months ah, would be July, okay. wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. So unless there's a time warp thing going on, it's definitely not Christmas time. Maybe I hadn't actually noticed that. Yet. Yeah, but yeah, the, I I never noticed the, like you say, the only Christmassy element is this: is the fact that the the Christmas tree lights are brought down for, mm. for a couple of specific reasons. Yeah, I, I, as we go, well, we might pick out if they mentioned. They didn't really mention Christmas at all. No, of, there are no decorations up. No, there's no deck. So perhaps I'm just assuming because we eventually see some fairy lights. It was, and it's the fact that it was aired just after Christmas. I don't know, but but yeah, there is a sensational line from Margaret. I could stuff a mattress with your pubic hair. <laughs> well, it's one of those classic scenes where they're just having completely separate conversations. He's whinging about what's going on outside, and she yeah. just starts. She just responds with, "I could stuff a mattress with your pubic hair." Yeah. And then he, he utters something else and she, and she responds with, what do you do, pull it out with tweezers? They're just not it's, noticing anything each other are saying at all. I just think, I mean, it's grim to think what, you know, <laughs> what she's doing, but it's just part of life. It does happen. But yeah. it's usually stereotyped the other way where apparently women are in the bath, but Victor seems inclined to, or he's just at an age where it falls off. Above. I don't know, not going <laughs> to... Bits are just falling off just, it. Yeah. <laughs> don't want to really read into it too much, but I think it's always the delivery, isn't it? from uh, yeah. the character, William. <laughs> Never known anyone be so petty. I was not... In any case, which of us keeps leaving those little yellow post-it notes in the back gate every five minutes? If we're talking about petty, what about these? None more too loud. Creosote splash found on lupins. <laughs> For Christ's sake, put some oil in that wheelbarrow. <laughs> believe you've actually stuck those in a book <laughs> that scene ends slightly weak in my opinion because she accused them of both acting like a pair of kids and it's that line that used to use in almost every comedy where mm. he says um i'm not acting childish anyway he started it i think yeah. that line is just like it's a little bit beneath one foot in the grave i, I don't think know if it that is was, was it first used in the early 90s because i used to hear that as growing up it's like not childish you started it like yeah. ironic you know, dialogue. It's a I don't bit know. of a cliche, isn't it? But it is. I still think it's very Victor. It is very Victor. He'd absolutely respond with that, and he'd know he was doing it as well. Yeah. He does these yeah. things for comic effect. Anyway, so we move into the kitchen. Yeah, it's... she's matched off downstairs with her dishcloths, and mm -hmm. Victor follows. So it's it's the same scene, but the set changes. So yes, it's the same scene. Back same, into the kitchen. same day, and she's accusing Victor of trying to cause havoc with Patrick next door and she recites that he tried to teach Mrs. Lacey's cat to be sick 
on his is it on his rockery or something. It is, yeah. So he tried <laughs> by getting the cat to stick his paw down its throat. I don't know how yeah. on earth he trained that. I He's done weird he... things with animals, though. I mean, we have put her living in the tomb. He was trying to teach Kylie the tortoise to sing, apparently. So he's, yeah, this this is really animal themed in it as ever. Yeah, I'm just trying to think if there's any more animal references in this particular episode. Oh, I don't know. Anything. But this is the first. I mean, it, it's already been mentioned now, so they've got one in there. Never known anyone be so petty. I was not. In any case, which of us keeps leaving those little yellow post-it notes in the back gate every five minutes? If we're talking about petty, what about these? Lawn more too loud. Creosote splash found on lupins. <laughs> For Christ's sake, put some oil in that wheelbarrow. <laughs> believe you've actually stuck those in a book <laughs> we come to learn that there's pettiness is ensuing between the two with post-it notes and it's mostly patrick sending sticking post-it notes on the back gate of the garden yeah victor big. in his usual petty way has started sticking them all in a book mm, he's got a like, scrapbook in he yeah creosote stain found on lupins for oh, god's yeah. sake put some oil on that wheelbarrow yes yeah which... another one as well i can't remember what it was that's i'm sure I, i'm sure we've lawnmower too loud that was it that's it have you <laughs> i mean have you ever experienced neighbors being that petty with you or i lived in i lived in a shared house years ago and you know that's that's post-it note central that's true so, yeah, yeah I guess. absolutely there's a book called i lick my cheese have you ever read that i've heard of it yeah i haven't yeah. read it yeah so that's just a post-it note taken as the title. Someone had actually left that. I think it was, again, student accommodation. <laughs> and I guess it's the best way to guard your food, isn't it? Just yeah. You, you could just lie about it. So I've licked everything so don't touch it. Unless yeah. you're that warped, you wouldn't go for it. I guess it works, but yeah. Uh, what else has happened? So according to Margaret or Victor, Patrick's had some cement laid down outside his front door. Ah, of course, Victor yes. Victor thinks he's done on purpose. I think he's getting paranoid. He thinks that. So basically, yeah. there's some tarmac that was laid and it was, wasn't even, it hadn't set and Victor fell face down in it. He assumed that it was Patrick who um, laid a trap. Because, of, of course, course Patrick's got that much time on his hands, hasn't he? Yeah. He's going to lay a trap for Victor. But yeah, I think the, the edge of the path was lined with twine and Victor <laughs> took it as tripwire. To be fair, we do learn later on that Patrick's business isn't going very well and he's spending a lot of time at home. Mm, um yeah. but we'll get to that later but no of course it wasn't done on purpose but oh yeah that? so we see that victor's got a plaster on his nose oh yes that's right um and yeah um when victor apparently tripped and fell into this cement he heard patrick through oh, the that's... front door saying yes. got you you bastard through the yeah through so the door. it's probably still not done on purpose but he just likes the fact that victor's uh but seven months has passed and the only thing we learned that's we haven't learned that anything bad has happened apart from the Christmas, but last Christmas, where's the garden names that all over Victor and Margaret drinking an expensive bottle of wine. I just think Patrick is definitely in the wrong here. And we, we established that he was crazy absurd to be get, using a firearm to get his own back. And this has led to them both squabbling here on out, I think. Yeah, it's or at crazy. least. Um... It's so, it's so really watching out for each other to mess up just so they can gloat yeah. about it. But I, f I don't think I'd easily forgive if somebody had gunned down a load of no, I think garden accoutrements of mine. I mean, drinking a bottle of expensive bottle of wine, even if you're a wine connoisseur, it's no big deal. Like, 
okay, if it's rare, it's rare, but come on, it's it's a bottle of wine versus someone with a hand or with a machine gun mm. shooting your property or it was your property. Yeah. But yeah, I just One, think... One's a definitely a crime and one isn't. Exactly. And I guess because seven months have passed, maybe there's been loads and loads of stuff stirring up to uh, this, but nevertheless, it just seems it's escalated massively, isn't it? Mm. But we Margaret's hear... keen for them to sort it out, so she must oh. be delighted when she goes into the hallway and finds that a letter's been delivered uh, yes. to them. Yeah, it's, which, it's uh... posted incredibly. Once again, they've received the, the, their post. Yeah. Which she encourages Victor to take out. So before he goes, he, he's quite reluctant to, mm. to, to take this round, but he does spot... Patrick starting a bonfire and he sees there's an opportunity to uh, leave a note in sort of revenge, which I thought was very amusing. He's lighting a bonfire. Quick, put some washing out, then I can leave him a bloody post. <laughs> oh, of course, yeah. Quick, put some washing out so I can leave him a bloody post. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he wants he wants to manifest this, like, pettiness or this, like, another argument almost, or just a reason to get his own back. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so Margaret playfully threatens to leave him if she, if he doesn't go around with the... I, I don't think she meant that for sure. It's just her being sort of threatening in an amusing manner, like mm. tongue-in-cheek. But she's definitely angry, Margaret. We hear her for the first time say, for God's sakes, Victor, which become more of a catchphrase as we go along. <laughs> Probably that, more often used than I don't believe it, actually. Oh, definitely, yeah. yeah. And I still find... I said this it's every I say this every episode, I definitely prefer, well, not I don't prefer, I find it as funny as, as Victor's outbursts, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. The next scene, we're at Patrick and Pippa's kitchen. There's a there's a funny line here about biological warfare. Yeah, so Pippa is sat at the table opening the mail and Patrick comes in from the back garden, presumably after snipping away at his whatever he was shearing. Um, oh, yes, so- he comes in with a flower and dumps it on the table and he's, he's like, oh, well, you know, there's proof if proof were needed. <laughs> and he's like, what's this? And he says, well, that's uh, one, one marigold covered in black fly. And he just dumps this disgusting flower in the middle of the kitchen table. Oh, dear. Um, it's, um... it's no coincidence, is it, that these things started raining down on us since last Thursday after the World in Action special on chemical warfare, or biological warfare, yeah. Brilliant. I, I just think... Patrick does, I don't know if it's Angus Deaton, I said this again, I mentioned this last episode, is he modelling himself on Basil Fawlty, stroke John Cleese, just the way he delivers some of these lines, but I don't know, it just seems very similar. Pippa is it clearly... He's very, yeah, he's very sort of, he t- sort of toned down version of Basil Fawlty. Definitely, really. yeah, a, a definitely a, a Basil Fawlty who's taken sleeping pills almost, just that yeah, much more relaxed. sort of Basil Fawlty with a briefcase. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Pippa's definitely in the mood with Patrick, similar to Margaret. That both both wives are just fed up with their pettiness. It's nice that they've kept it together, though. They, they remain friends. It's always when there's couples that are in dispute, you do tend to find one or the other of the partners is um, trying to keep the peace, which is nice. Yeah. Do you have to keep writing those things? The man is a cretin, dear, of the highest order. I knew it the first time we went round to see him. Made us a cup of tea and then virtually tried to force us at knife point to get into his bed. <laughs> Patrick does reference when the time Victor was all but forced them to stay the night at knife point. So he is uh, still, yeah. can't forgive them for misunderstanding that, you know, them wanting to stay. So they clearly never cleared that up. Mm. Like, not properly. Like, oh, sorry, we just thought you were some strangers were looking to stay. <laughs> so 
that's where the honesty thing comes in. If they just explained it, went, although this yeah. is a comedy, that's not delve too deep. But it is I, don't, I don't know which of those two options would make you look worse if you were literally True. prepared to let some stranger stay in your house versus just telling um, them. I don't know. It's yes, you can see it as being quite. Christian, there was no winning just, option, really, was there? No, nah, that's true. That's very true. So, um, yeah, there's a great I, line from Patrick in this scene. The man is a cretin deer of the highest order. Is, again, very Which I've used yeah. myself. Yeah, yeah. The man is a cretin deer. Yeah. <laughs> I, I get what I, watch, as a little lad watching this, I, I probably assume Angus Deaton was related to John Cleese in some way because they kind of look same, similar without yeah. the moustache. Very dry delivery of all Very those, dry, those yeah. Lines, yeah. That's a good line. Well, he starts writing another post-it note, doesn't he? And then he's, he's sort of... I'm not sure what this is about, but he points over to Pippa and says, has it come yet? As she's rifling through the mail and she says no. And it's, it never really becomes 100% clear what that was, unless it's... Oh. You know, as we find out in a later scene that she's pregnant. Right, yes. The results of a pregnancy test. But it's one of those things that's never really made clear. Yeah. Renwick likes you to, I guess, use your imagination of One Foot in the Grave is all about the story, the character's anecdotal appearances, and it's just funny to picture it, isn't it? But in this sense, it's not necessarily a a laugh-out-loud line. Victor doesn't quite get to ring the doorbell, so we then cut to Victor's front garden. He's coming out of his house. Oh, that's it, okay. And then he's admiring his his imprint. That's right. So for comedy value, we do see the aftermath of Victor falling over. Yeah, uh, it's just a print of his body, perfect comedy, Silo- like a silhouette. Is that the word I'm looking for of his body? Yeah, it's a sort of perfect impression of somebody who's just gone head first into into yeah. the pavement and then gone a little bit further. Yes. Um, but like, um, one thing I love about this little scene is the music. Victor comes out of his house, we're sort of facing away from Patrick's house, and there's this sort of dooby dooby doo, winky blonky <laughs> music, and then you just see the impression. And yeah, when, when, love... when, there's, it's, when there's a reveal, it's always sort of like, like you said, the do do and then a like a That's reveal. It. It's just with perfect. Like, like trumpets, and it's like a trumpet sound, isn't it? Or a yeah, like a trombone. Yeah, it's perfect. I mean, you, you've got to you've got to listen to it to appreciate it. it I think, but it, it really makes perfect. that scene well. It works um, perfectly, but there's a bit of awkward interaction, isn't it? There a little bit. Uh, you know, we we know we've been slagging each other off, but we we can't really face it, so it would just be awkward like this. But yeah, they Victor squabble. tries to find something to say, and he's like, "Oh, you, you're going to fill this in, are you?" And Patrick just yeah. not being able to help himself with a sarc- sarcasm just goes, "No, I thought about leaving it there, like Hollywood Boulevard." <laughs> Of faces of glittering neighbours' faces in the concrete, you know? And yeah. Victor, Victor's had, already had enough at that point. It's like, well, if you're not going to be reasonable, then... Well, exactly. I, again, I'm on so Victor's true. side with this one. He's just delivering his mail, mm. um, doing him a favour. Uh, Patrick references a pile of horse manure. Has, <laughs> yes. has, this been, has this been mentioned so far? Or just the first No, no, time? it hasn't. This is the first mention we have of it. So, as, um... Do we see it? In the distance, we do, we do. Yeah. We um, so so what happens is that uh, Victor says to Patrick, Oh, well, you know, it's nice to know you're being reasonable about this. And 
Patrick say as well, what is reasonable to find outside one's house? I don't know, a pile of horse manure covered in fairy lights. And then we get a shot of it shot with of it. another nice little sort of lullaby style music over it as we see the sort of That's twinkling right. lights on the compost. With the fairy lights there, just to highlight it's a Christmas special and to alert the members of the public and just so it doesn't look so bad. I don't know, there's a number of reasons why fairy lights were um, surrounding it. But Victor makes a point, at least I put a sign to warn the public, unlike, unlike Patrick's building work going on outside his house essentially the, the, the laying of the tarmac yeah led to victor falling over yeah, at least of... his uh, at least his hazard is is illuminated in some way unlike That's patrick's right. and, yeah uh, but... i love patrick's line when he explains that he goes oh is that what they're there for i thought it was some kind of jubilee celebration of the fertilizer industry <laughs> um <laughs> but victor says that like, delivers his line if, you know if i have any more of your stupid notes would be responsible for my actions and he turns off and of course he's got a yellow note stuck to the back of his coat i don't know when that would have been put on there i don't know uh, i don't think we saw what it said either did we he walked off too fast yeah it was written on it bit of misdirection from patrick he's i don't know how i don't know maybe he planted it there some time ago but yeah quite a, f- a funny end to that scene and it yeah. just gives us the audience a proper insight into the fact that these are feuding neighbours. We've seen it for ourselves now. I don't know if we saw it in Who's Listing so much. I guess obviously at the end we did, but this, yeah, we are, we're seeing it for quite, ourselves, the aftermath, aren't we? Yeah, they were being quite polite to each other until the wine debacle. So. Yeah. So, in the, yep. yeah, Meldrew's living room. Uh, Victor's uh, quite a good view. We, we cut, we've got the point of view of, as if you were the television. You can see Victor, food on tray, on lap, watching... Well, it looks like it's the end of a crappy programme. Crap! <laughs> it's funny because Victor says it. Like, if, if Patrick said crap, it wouldn't be funny, but Victor saying it is funny. It was, he almost threw the word at you. It was it's so, perfect. yeah, just crap. So need... It got a big laugh as well for for one for one not particularly funny word when he when he uttered yeah. crap it got quite a big laugh from the audience. Almost not expecting it, but it's because it's the, it's the timing because you hear whatever he's watching, mm. it's it's the end of that program and it's mm. a bit of a crescendo, crap, um, and he says the state of British TV can be summed up in two words: Jeremy Beadle. Did Jeremy Beadle truly get? Was he? Is when Jeremy Jeremy Beadle passed away, he was looked on as a legend in his field. But at the time, I get the impression he was a nuisance. I know he did his um, gotcha. Not his gotcha, that's not Evans, isn't it? But he did his prank shows, didn't he, Jeremy Beadle? Oh, Beadle's About, Beadle's yeah. About, that's and he, it. Did, um, he did You've Been Framed as well, which might explain why Victor has a problem with him. As yes. we find out in the next episode, Monday morning will be True. fine when he, he, he was a... He ended yes. up recounting a story that he was on You've Been Framed. Yeah, which so, also is voiced by um, Angus Deaton in that particular episode when Margaret's watching the trailer. You can oh, tell is it really? Well, I'm 98% sure. Okay. Not necessarily 100%, but it's definitely Angus Deaton doing the voiceover. Right, um, okay. Weird how they're doing an ITV plug for a BBC comedy, but yeah. anyway. Uh, also, a little jibe at Paul Daniels compares both Paul Daniels and Jeremy Beadle to Jekyll and Hyde. Ah, uh, yes, you never see them in the same place. Never seen the same place. Um, <laughs> Margaret's Margaret is 
getting her lunch ready. So they're both having pizza and salad by the looks of it. And she's got this big bowl of salad. And it made me laugh because it's something I do, but I do put too much dressing on my salad and it's just a big watery mess at the bottom. <laughs> um, and they are having the wrong... Victor's eating the wrong pizza, isn't he? He's having her pizza. Oh, of course, yeah. She uh, she comes in and says, since when did I have this monstrosity? Sardines, Sardines and, and hot, hot chilies with added pineapple. And it's added. like Not many people <laughs> like pineapple on their pizza, but the fact he's ordered added. No, I'm <laughs> firmly of the opinion that you should keep sweet and savoury food separate. I agree. Apart from sweet barbecue sauce, I don't mind no. that on pizzas. No. no, you're not a fan? No. Ketchup just, as well, just taste of sugar to me. I can't be I, doing with it. I get, I get your um, argument. Do I don't want to say disagree, but I don't agree because I'd have it. But I would again, he, he sort of acknowledges from Margaret getting a bit shirty with him that he's eating her pizza, basically. And he gormously looks at her and scoffs the, one of the, another piece into his mouth very comically. Yeah, Very, like, sorry this has happened, but you're still not getting your pizza back. Yeah. <laughs> Why didn't he? He probably thought, well, I start now, so I may as well finish. Yeah. But I don't know. I think she just sits down and starts picking off, presumably, the sardines or something off I his know. pizza and just, just makes do. Another just... line of Margaret's in this scene. She's talking of Jeremy Beadle. I've had three more complaints about that horse manure. <laughs> yeah. People <laughs> down at the. Uh, what did she say? Um, who's be... They've got a petition going or something to remove to move the manure outside the house, people down the post office or something. Oh, that's it, but, yeah. And they said they're getting, thinking of getting it put on the Ordnance Survey map. Yeah, <laughs> the whole community's uh, slagging <laughs> off poor Victor. So Victor's saying how it's a bit of misdirection again, because he's commenting that he watched some crappy film. He watched a film about the Cray Brothers. Yes, sir, he watched a film about the, the Cray Brothers. And there I am sitting squirming in my seat. There's this young bimbo behind me cackling her head off. <laughs> Leave the cinema? I was sitting here watching it on the video. <laughs> Said her name was Cheryl. She just called back for the cosmetics catalog. Let herself in by the back door, if you please, and had been watching it over my shoulder. <laughs> then she had a nerve to ask me to spool back to the bit where the bloke has his mouth sliced open with a sword. <laughs> Said that was one of her favourite bits. She'd, she'd come in through the back door for the cosmetics catalogue and been watching it over my shoulder, if you please. Surely Margaret knew when, if he did or did not go to the cinema, but just yeah, you'd think surrealness. So. The fact, yeah, so some woman, so she's come, this woman called, um, what was her name? She's coming to collect the, uh, yeah, come to collect the cos, cosmetics catalogue. Why, why have they got a cosmetics catalogue? Have I missed something? It's probably just one of those ones you just get through the door where you place an order and something. Yeah, like you said, an even, yeah. yeah, something like that. Very, very surreal uh, anecdote from Victor. There, someone's just let themselves in. Like that's acceptable. Yeah. Um, so back to the horse manure element. So Victor's learned that the community, local community, are very much they're getting a bit annoyed now with this crap, you know, in their street. So Victor's very um, not unlike Victor to be buying. He's brought this manure off a bloke in a pub, essentially. Mm-hmm. And Margaret sets up a great line. You buy horse manure from any old Tom, Dick or Harry, you don't know where it's been. Yeah. <laughs> don't know where it's been, you know exactly where it's been. <laughs> up a horse. And yeah, it's a nice simple response. You know where exactly where it's been, up a horse. <laughs> He's quite right, isn't he? But we'll learn more about the... Lack of traceability is going to come back to haunt him. I knew you'd be able to articulate it better than I. (laughs) 
but uh, yeah. But we find out why it's there rather than his allotment, mm. which is that you know the, the guy that was selling it to him only knew two words or three words: horse manure and twenty quid. That's four yes. words, isn't it? So. Twenty quid in ninety-one might be about fifty or sixty quid in today's money, maybe. Yeah, it's an expensive pile of shit, isn't it? Really? Yes, it's literally an expensive pile <laughs> of shit. Um, I don't know how much manure costs. I've, I mean, I've never really been in the market for some horse manure, so I don't really know. No, I haven't. Like, to be fair, I would expect to pay for it. Really, I don't know what the going rate is. It feels like it's quite a big old pile of horse manure. It feels like twenty quid's fair now, but I don't know if I'd pay sixty quid. But again, I'm not a uh, green fingered connoisseur. I'm not out there in the allotments. But Victor has got a hobby, it seems. The next, uh, we're at the very, very busy, busy, very busy hospital waiting room. Absolutely manic and. The actress playing the receptionist, is it Cecily Hobbs? I looked up oh, I don't TV. know. I haven't looked her up. C-E-C-I-L-Y. How are you pronouncing that? Cecily? That sounds like Cecily, yeah. Cecily Hobbs. Absolutely amazing performance. Like He she... gets to see some serious multitasking ability in this scene. Watson Kevel Caplet and Partners can I help you? I'm afraid he died last week in his sleep. We did write to everyone. Is it an emergency? Dear. Oh, well, if it's hanging off, I think you best go up. Be on the safe side. Can you... That's why I, I, I made a note, and put, um, Renwick's probably highlighted the multitasking and how it can actually be a bore for the patient when they're just waiting to be served, but the receptionist is just answering call after call. Um, there's no... In, in this day and age, well, for a long time, if, you, if you're calling your doctors or the surgery or the chemist, you've, you've got some administrators taking the calls, not the front and reception mm. who will take calls but not of that um type but she's she... doing it all she's she's handling the phone she's sending people to the right room in the surgery she's she's doing the in-person thing with victor who seems to have fallen to the bottom of the yeah. triage list of priorities and the um, the buzzer that it takes me back to the 90s when i used to go to the doctor's surgery if times i went into a doctor's surgery with my parents it would be that old sort of ele- not even electronic buzz it's just like a zzz. Um, and that's mm. that, took, that took me back, but you wouldn't need to go to a hospital to get a prescription now, would you? But I think I it's reference. Maybe, that... maybe it was a was it a doctor's surgery or was it was it definitely a hospital? It just it just looks. But I, I, I guess it is a doctor's surgery. But later on in the episode, Victor said didn't have time to go to the chemist, so he went to the, at the hospital. So I think this is a hospital. Uh, yeah, maybe. But I think but... I heard that correct. It is the the actress playing um, the receptionist is the same woman in I'll Retire to Bedlam who gave Mr. Paslow and his wife the wrong glasses. Oh, okay. I didn't make that link. Oh, that's well well spotted. But she definitely steals this this whole scene. I know it's just essentially her and Victor and a load of extras, but... Victor desperately trying to get her attention. He just wants his prescription and wants to get out of there, but she's answering call after call. Is it's it an emergency? It's just that, mund- <laughs> that sort of mundane, irritant accent um, <laughs> voice she's got. I've got a cancellation for Dr. Pondicherry at five. <laughs> yes, you do. The one that looks like Doberman in Sergeant Bill Coe. <laughs> All right, if you'd rather then. Bye! Having these open-air conversations. Very unrealistic response rate. <laughs> I've never seen Sergeant. He Bill died again. last week in its sleep. We did write to everyone. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, it's, if it's hanging off, I should go and... got a casualty. Yeah. It's just brilliant. <laughs> and then eventually, eventually, Victor is served, and she says she calls out like. Now, Sam, did that prescription come through 
at all for Mr. Meldrew's hemorrhoids. She's just checking for you, sir. <laughs> and then everyone's just looking at him like. Yeah, you, like the, the, the camera turns around and there's this sort of long field view of the entire yeah. waiting room just staring back at him and he's yeah. mortified. It's, and only, then... it's only hemorrhoid. I mean, it's not like... It's, <laughs> it's supposedly an embarrassing... I guess it is, depending on your embarrassing, but they're, they're all there for different reasons. But yeah, I just thought... Yeah, it's a bit... Um... Yeah, I don't think I'd want that, to be honest. But by the no, way, we, we, we're not able to prescribe you the cream you're going to shove up your ass today. So. Basically. <laughs> standing right next to me, as a matter of fact. Somebody asking when you're going to shift a pile of manure. Is it an emergency? Somebody calls up to ask when is he going to shift that pile of manure. <laughs> do, you th- do you think that's Patrick or Mrs Aylesbury? Uh, I like to think it's nobody he's ever even heard of. Just another person in the community is pissed yeah. off has just yeah. <laughs> seen him go in and thought, right. Yeah, someone, someone <laughs> act- actively knows where they've got where they're yeah. going. And she caps that off, you know, somebody's asking when you're going to shift this pile of manure and then she says to the person, is it an emergency? I know, no, we, uh, <laughs> you might think it's um, Mrs. Warpoise, because we don't have a Mrs. Warpoise this episode, do we? Oh, that's true, no, she doesn't uh, appear, yeah. Last episode we didn't have Mr. Sweeney. Thankfully we do have Mr. Oh, my voice went funny. We do have Mr. Sweeney. Uh, we're at the, in the garden now. I don't know if it's the same day. I assume it's the same day. In fact, it is the same day. And Margaret, is she doing a bit of weeding or something? She's putting a broom away in the shed and then That's she finds it. another post-it note. Finds another post-it. And she day. actually looks visibly annoyed with it. Yeah. But it, it's quite. I find that slightly interesting because she doesn't want to let on to Victor that she's annoyed with it. So she's either annoyed with Patrick for leaving another note because it's just annoying or she's annoyed mm-hmm. that if it was to see that it would just rile him up and she's got to pay the price of having a moody husband Either yeah way, i think that's annoying. probably she's probably irritated with patrick but yeah at the end of the day it's her that's yeah. gonna to have to listen to him moaning for hours yeah. and end about whatever's written on it so yeah but yeah mr sweeney's back which is excellent and he just bizarrely opens up it's like a secret passage in the fence way with his and he's opened it with a bit of uh <laughs> bit of string isn't he morning mrs <laughs> is it me or is it moist he must have been sat there with a the little bit of rope in his hand to pull the gate open because he's quite far back from the gate. Yes. And he must have just been desperately listening for somebody to have a conversation yeah. with next door. It's quite sad, really. It is quite sad. He's just so quirky in just what he's wearing, his shorts and Yeah, and boots he's reading his... Clive Barker, Books of Blood by Clive Barker. Quite a nasty book. Is it? So is, it, yeah. is that painting the image that he's, Mr. Sweeney's probably a bit of a psycho, but not in a nice, he's nice, but a bit loopy. I don't know. Yeah, um, I don't know. I think he's probably got quite a wide range in bookshelf, to be honest. So, I mean, he's nothing but nice, to be fair. He's never nasty. He's just a lovely guy, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, but sometimes you just don't want to interact with your neighbours all the time, do you? That's it, yeah. Victor and Margaret are always a little bit, uh, when, when with Mr. Swainy, when interacting with him, a little bit wary of him, wary of him aren't they? They're a little bit like polite and a bit, well, here we are dealing with... I don't, I don't like to think they're thinking that he's Mr. Weirdo, but they're always a little bit... I think Victor does. Margaret seemed very sort of polite and a little bit uh, when mm. speaking with him, but um, I think Margaret's particularly unnerved by his unseen mother staring out from the net curtains upstairs. Yeah, it's that funny thing I, I just love when he uh, he just looks to the yeah to her window and says, "Oh, you know," they say, "Thank you very much," or you know, <laughs> they ask, "How are you?" You know, and there's just no no response. It's it's, it's partly yeah. eerie, but hilarious because you just can imagine that she's just bedridden 
Yeah. But he casually says that his grandmother died. So how is your grandmother now? Not giving any cause for concern or anything? Oh, no, no, no. Not now, she's dead. <laughs> he just, yeah, he does. He starts by saying, she asks how his weekend was. And he goes, lovely, thank you. Just been up to the hospital. Granny took a turn for the worst and died. Her wheelchair accidentally locked into high-speed reverse and she went on a bit of a mystery tour of the Clement Attlee wing. <laughs> Took us an hour and a half to find her again, and of course by then she'd already gate crashed three hysterectomies. So it's a bit of a day all in all. <laughs> she, um, her, her wheelchair locked in in high speed reverse and ended up in a different wing of the hospital. Well, that was his mother. Three. Was that his so mother? His, his, his granny was the one in hospital, so he took his mother there That's on a sudden right. mercy dash. But her wheelchair locked into high speed reverse. And she went on a mystery tour of the Clement Attlee wing and gate crashed three hysterectomies. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 line is extra funny because he's actually named the types of surgery going on. Mm. He's very blasé about it. Don't think Mother's looking forward to it very much, are you, Mother? <laughs> Mrs. Meldrew said she was very sorry to hear the tragic news. Victor Margaret doesn't actually ever indirectly say something to his mother. He sort of polite. He does it for his mum. He would say, "Oh, Margaret says, um, you know, sends her condolences or whatever he says," but mm. she doesn't. Not really. She does say, I'm sorry, but he um, sort of speaks on their behalf. It's a bit like, I guess, if you if a child gets a present and the, and the parent yeah. goes, oh, so-and-so says thank you very much for it, and they haven't really said thank you. It's a bit like that, I suppose. But um, I think he's just trying to paint a picture of the world for his, his mother, yeah. isn't he? We've seen in, later on in The Exterminating Angel where he's outside with a makeshift duck pond and a... Yeah. Oh, so it's right. She's remembered. She doesn't know she doesn't live in the house by the river anymore, so he's pretending... What? Just, She's fishing into it, and he's even got a, a duck call whistle thing. It's because it's, oh, yeah, I tell you what, I think my brother was saying you could probably with the there's not many surrounding characters, but each of them could have their own like spin-off, especially Mr. Swaney and Mrs. Smallboys, just superb. Yeah. I don't know if like we said last, I don't know if Patrick and Pippa and Mrs. Swaney have ever interacted. I don't know if Mrs. Warboys has interacted with any of the neighbours. They're all like live separate lives, don't they? <coughs> oh, in um, which episode was it? Only a story. Mrs. Warboys goes round to Nick Swainy's house when they're locked out, when they're looking for a cockatiel. Oh, yeah, five. okay, yeah. I think that's the only interaction they have, though. Oh, interesting, okay. Didn't know you could die of a broken bone. Well, you can when it's stuck in your windpipe, apparently. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, um, I think with that scene ending, it's just a funny visual, visual of the gate closing so rigidly with this piece of string. It <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> <that's> abruptly <laughs> it. ends, like... Oh, yeah. it's just so bizarre, isn't it? I think how is Vic, Victor does get annoyed with that, with that little access point. He tries doesn't, to move it, doesn't he? At one I think point, he, I think next um, series he moves, he moves it, and he, yeah, he thinks he, yeah, Victor thinks he's sort of like basically boarded it up or whatever. And Mr. Swaney's already, yeah, changed moved the, it uh, one fence panel along, hasn't he? Save, save trampling your pansies. I just, I just don't <laughs> think what world is that acceptable unless you're that in with your neighbours, but there you go. But, yeah. Yeah. I guess he was with the previous one, Mr Gittings. He used to help look after oh, us, yeah. so he needed, he needed the access. Until the unfortunate accident in the bathroom, which we never quite... I she, What do you think happened there with Mr Gittings? It was blood and all sorts. Do you think he was cutthroat shaving? I don't know. Slipped? Either he... he he slipped and had an accident with a razor blade. He killed himself with a razor blade or was killed with a razor blade. Yeah. We, all we know is it involved razor blades and a lot of blood. Yes. Yeah, obviously, yeah. It's, again, left to the imagination and, mm. 
we were definitely experiencing from Victor's point of view because we didn't know we don't need more than Victor, do we? Well, the next scene we're in the kitchen and Victor's he's highly stressed. He, he says he didn't have a chance to go to the chemist, so that that's why he went to the hospital. Mm. So that's how I knew that it probably I think it was like on my rewatch, I'm, it did seem like a hospital waiting room. Margaret's burnt the spuds. That's why she's had to dash in from Mr. Sweeney's chat because she's realised she's got she's cooking some food. And after Victor's rant, he, he, he realises that he hasn't really been paying attention to the fact Margaret's just cooling down the burnt spuds and then he points out, oh, something's burning. I think that's, that's all there is to that scene, isn't there? It's very that's short. it, yeah. It's just uh, he, he sets up the fact that he's got to move the manure tomorrow or they'll all be out with the burning torches. That's it, yeah. Um, um, but we're introduced to... A wheelbarrow's point of view being pushed by Victor. Uh, uh, wheelbarrow uh, cam. Wheelbarrow cam, I guess, it's, and it's very squeaky. Uh, he's pushing along the. <laughs> I hope you've got a clip of this sound. <laughs> I have, I believe so. <laughs> um, and if you can see people, you know, various allotment goers. Uh, exaggeratingly holding their ears and crouching down and he's Victor doesn't really care does he he's just walking past them and he stops momentarily to empty the wheelbarrow then he just carries on and mm. that's funny in itself just the sudden pause the sudden okay. respite from the noise and then it yeah. just resumes very uh, good and he um, starts uh, digging away at his manure he starts digging it's nice that you've got a hobby um because I think it's one of the few hobbies he's had that Margaret hasn't tried to either take the piss yeah, out of or that's stop. True. She's quite that's unsympathetic to all his hobbies. Really. That's true. Has she got RC about the the manure element, or she she had she? I guess she did mention about the uh, ordnance survey maps. She's had a dig about his activities relating to allotment work, but not actually going to the allotment. She probably likes the piece. Probably, he, yeah. It gets yeah. him out of the house and like gets him out of the house. In Endgame um, with a caravan, she she was taking the Mickey out of that and tried to have it crushed. And, yeah, that's uh, true. That's that's. When he took up fish cookery, she was having none of it. When he tried to write a script, she was just unbelievably horrible to him. But this cruel. one, she seems to be leaving him alone. Yeah, I did. Did you? I don't know if you heard that episode, but I was saying how cruel Margaret was. Like that was not, no need for that at all. Um, no, it was really out of order. She did sort of semi regret it when she mm. saw that, but oh, I just thought that was a bit bizarre. But that's. The nature one in the grave out of nowhere can get a little bit dark yeah. and a little bit sad, but um, we a man appears through a, a foggy like smoke. Yeah, and I, there's some ominous music. Ominous music, and I as thought he approaches. I thought, is this the man in the long black coat? But it's not because he's not wearing a long black coat. The man in the long black coat we later learn is the person who has sold the manure to Victor. But the man in the suit, uh, business like, is one Eric Idle playing Dr. Mervyn White, another choice of name there that is comically sounding. Every name is not exactly basic, is it? In this, no. uh, you bought this from a gentleman last week, I gather. Black beard, long black coat, bit of a foreign accent. Yes, what about it? What's the problem? For goodness sake, tell me, what's wrong with my horseman you are? And Dr. Mervyn White, played, played by Eric Idle, is uh, there to... It's like a spot visit. Like a, Apparently, 
his people was contacted Victor to carry out some tests on the manure he's acquired. Because Victor doesn't realise that at first. He thinks he's a doctor. That's a right. medical yeah. doctor. Yeah. He says, look, I don't need you here. They found my prescription <laughs> under a copy of Smash Hits in the waiting room table. <laughs> Eric Idle does some weird things <laughs> with, with his... Yeah, Smash it. He blinks like, momentarily, doesn't he, at Victor, almost yeah. bewildered. But yeah, yeah, very, very funny little bit of detail about the prescription, like you said, was found at the bottom of a some magazine, <laughs> Smash Hits magazine. But yeah, the fact that Victor thought they'd come all the way out there to tell him that. Yeah, that he's like, I'm your... here to do some tests. And it's like, what, in the middle of an yeah. allotment? I mean... Yeah, it's like a, almost like a double entendre type thing that like you have yeah. in, maybe, like, in Bottom or something. <laughs> the next scene, we're at Patrick and Pippa's kitchen once again. And we have uh, Pippa uh, with a shed load of tablets, bottles of tablets or herbal remedies. And is Margaret already present or has she just arrived? I think she's just called round, hasn't she? To uh, yeah, she's called round to sort of make amends for the, for the ongoing war between East Talks. Patrick. Yeah, she's yeah. there for the um, just. Uh, it's, like we said earlier, it's nice that they're still talking on talking yeah. terms. It's going to be a whole other comedy if they were both at each other's throats collectively. But uh, you know, so Margaret, P- Margaret and Pippa are somewhat more reasonable people. At oh, hundred percent. Margaret's case, anyway. They have their irrational moments, but they're definitely more reasonable. Yeah, definitely. So they're basically slagging their husbands off, aren't they? Saying they're acting like a pair of kids. Yep. And it's mentioned that Patrick. So it's mentioned Patrick's been taking. Is it a herbal remedy? Ginseng. Ginseng. Is it a plant? Yeah. yeah, to reverse the aging process. Reverse it, and it's is Margaret says, "Is it working?" And Pippa says, "Is in the respect that he's acting like a five-year-old." <laughs> <laughs> he's always had a childish side to his nature, except yeah. when we, he was a child, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought it was very good. Um, and then Pippin sort of dives straight into the facts. Well, just highlighting some of the things that have been said between the two, or what Patrick's done, and that he's basically called him a tosspot, as in called Victor a tosspot, and iced a Thornton's Easter egg. With what did he have on the Easter egg? So he, he, he uh, went to the. Yeah. Oh, it's a tosspot. Sorry, that's right. Yeah. Tosspot was on the Easter egg, yeah, and he, yes. he, he mailed it to them via a courier or whatever. Yeah. Didn't put a name on a dress, just put the, to that cretin in the cap. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean... Margaret points out that amazingly they received it and it's the quickest the letters ever got to them. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> another little dig at that day-to-day anguish where our mail doesn't always arrive on time. There's yeah. always these little things from Renwick. Um, but obviously Victor's notorious in the area. Everybody knows who he is. Yeah, absolutely. There's only one cretin in the cap in Watford and it's him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's established that Pippa's pregnant. Probably why she's got all these herbal remedies just to help the pregnancy. But it wasn't a planned pregnancy, we, we no, hear. No, it was an accident. She's, she's not exactly happy about it. She, yeah. she uh, doesn't think life is something she'd wish on her worst enemy. Yeah, a bit, bit uh, dark again. Sort of very. I mean, they're, they're not a young, young couple. They, they're probably in their mid to late 30s, at least. Yeah. So I guess they made a decision in life to not have children. But here, here they are. Uh, blessed at this moment in time, although so they think they're blessed anyway. I used to, when I did a rewatch of this, not this time around, but a, a while ago, I always thought that they were struggling to have children for some reason. I always thought there was a, an infertile thing going on, but I was obviously wrong. What I was imagining. I, th- I think that might have come from later on when they get Denzel, the little dog. Oh, yes. Um, and Pippa points out to Patrick that it's a 
baby substitute. Right, so yeah, well remembered, yeah. But I think that's after this, isn't it? I don't think it's before. That's like series six, I think, series five, series six. Maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah. Because it's the same episode, Patrick's brother is on the scene. Does he, it's, it's, he's got like an identical twin. Or, no, it's, no, it's the one before that. It's the pit and the pendulum. It's the one where he answers oh, the it? dog. Oh, okay. Yeah, and the dog's lost one. its its bar, It's lost its voice. No, that was the executioner's song. Oh, so you're so on it. Like, <laughs> I give this impression that just because I do a podcast, I, I'm like, no, every I could name episodes just by a one-liner. You're definitely more on it than I am with that. <laughs> yeah, it but, was. Um, it's the one where um, the dog goes missing. Um, and roots through the rubbish right. to receive that bag of seaweed and happens to find a crab See. and then takes it where it attacks Patrick. Okay. Um, and in that episode, they say, Don't, you know, they, they, Patrick apparently got this dog for Pippa. Um, Pippa's like, well, he's your baby. So yeah, yeah, he's basically yeah. any odd excuse to, yeah, yeah. yeah. So oh, obviously okay. this, this hit them quite hard, I think, if, if the, yes. they may well have tried again and failed after this. Yeah, that's, yeah, because you know, yeah. Pe- people... We're delving into a massive, different, different, completely different topic here, but I guess trying for children when you're over a certain age can be tricky. But yeah. Remick's not afraid to delve into these uh, sort of real life topics. Anyway, back on back on topic. Well, we are semi on topic. So Pippa, yeah, pregnant, and um, she doesn't seem best pleased about it. Um, I was pretty shocked to learn that she's a bus driver. Yeah, I, I think this is the first time it's mentioned. I've it? never, I didn't recall that at all. I, right. I don't know what she, I don't know what I thought she did. I might have thought she maybe didn't work, but no, she's a bus driver. Margaret uh, references Vic, Vic, Victor's eating habits and that he'll eat anything. And she describes it as like junk mail going through a letterbox. Mm-hmm. I, that was reminding me in series three, you'll be able to tell me the episode, but when he gets revenge on his neighbours for chucking litter in his garden, he posts a load of it's not junk mail, but it's junk food and crap through... The broken reflection, yeah. I knew, though. <laughs> empty, <laughs> empty somebody's bin into their, into yeah. their hole. Look forward to discussing dumped that. A, dumped a can on his... Uh, on, on, well, not even on his, on Patrick's garden. Yeah. And it, it's just... It's like almost like a foreshadowing of that event. Yeah. It's becoming reality, almost. Um, We're also introduced to this new tea that Pippa's... Uh, Oh, so this is very key. So amongst yeah. the table full of um, herbal remedy pill boxes, she introduces a special a special kind of tea. She's uh, a concoction of different ingredients, yeah. and it's uh, to help with reduce stress and help she go to sleep. So she had so that's just a nice little gesture, neighbour to neighbour, back at the allotment. Yep. I feel like Eric Idle's performance it is very Python esque. No, 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 no. Nothing to worry about here, Mr. Meldrew. You can rest assured of that. Will you stop telling me I have nothing to worry about? You're making me extremely worried. What's all this about? Ah, uh, there's no danger of gamma rays or anything like that. <laughs> you can put your mind at rest on that one. <laughs> gamma rays? What? It makes you wonder how these cowboys get hold of the ruddy stuff in the first place, doesn't it? I don't know. Of course, the uh, stables have all been closed down now, just for the time being. They're not certain the contamination levels were significant, but you can't be too careful when you're sitting right next door to a nuclear reactor plant, can you? (laughs) This is just by way of being a precaution, really. Nuclear reactor blood? What contamination levels? Contamination levels are what? By rights, all of this manure should have been seized by the Minister of Agriculture. 
Not driven halfway across the country so any idiot could just buy the... What is it? Look at that. Where the hell did that come from? Looks like a piece of fairy light off a Christmas tree. <laughs> He's not being very helpful to Victor. Victor is just... No, he, uh, he has a Geiger counter and he's, he's measuring mm. the what we learn is the radioactive flux from this uh, Arma pile of something. compost. Yeah. Um, and we learn a little bit more about where this compost came from and this is yeah. the, the, where the episode title comes from, The Man in the Long Black Coat. Yeah. Victor bought it from this foreign guy mm. who had a foreign accent, a long black coat. Yeah. And we learn that it came from some closed down stables next to a nuclear reactor. Yes. Yeah. So therefore it could be contaminated and they're doing some spot checks on it. Yeah, I don't know how they <laughs> found out about it that he had it and where he took it. So Yeah, I guess maybe this farm had to be tested all sorts of items and products and whatever they had on the farm had to be tested and the manure was one of them. I don't know. It's a little bit um, of a mystery. But nevertheless, he he doesn't... For something that can be quite serious, Mervyn, is it? He plays it down. Yeah. He's not that bothered. He gives a a measurement, doesn't he? 4.3 micro micro curies and says that it's well below permitted levels, which... As I, I have, I did my master's degree in nuclear physics, so this kind of annoys me because a human being is uh, is slightly radioactive. Right. Uh, it emits about two hundred thousand micro micro curies, and he's his detector is sensitive to just four. Right. Okay. So he would never be able to get. He would never be able to measure a radioactive flux at four point three micro micro curies because his own radioactivity would flood the yeah. detector that he's using. I just, I think. Uh... <laughs> I think Renwick's probably assuming that most people wouldn't get that. And, uh, <laughs> he, most he, people probably don't. I, I, I don't, I, yeah, I fair play to you for knowing <laughs> that. I, I believed it. It mm. seemed um, feasible. But, you know, it's yeah. good to have a bit of education on this podcast. Well, uh, indeed. If you went on there, I would, obviously, I would have t- taken that as red, and that, that's <laughs> definitely true. Um, but I think we just tipped the balance into ridiculous levels of geekery. So. Doesn't matter. No, it's welcome. Podcasts are, <laughs> are designed to designed by geeks for geeks, and geek is cool, true? so it doesn't matter. I think the way this Dr. Mervin diffuses the situation is by offering out of nowhere a Mars bar. What kind of advice is that? I, I'm thinking. Victor's very bewildered. Yeah, and he hasn't he, really done a great deal to reassure him because no. it's similar to when he's at home with Margaret. They were both having two completely separate conversations. Surrounded not by... each other at all. Well, yeah. Manure covered in radioactive horse shit mm-hmm. was Victor's line. Yeah. And he's got every right to feel a little bit... Oh, but, you know, he has just been told the measurements are fine. I know you've said yeah. they're not accurate, but in, in the one foot in the grave universe, it's fine. But yeah. Victor won't let it drop. It's like, fucking hell. He does f- seek some final reassurance, and Mervyn sort of. It looks like Mervyn's going to show him. Well, he's like maybe give him some kind of analogy or a metaphor or something, because he shows him his digital watch. The radiation levels are absolutely minuscule, Mister Meldrum. Look, you see this digital watch? Yes. I can get you one of these at half price if you're interested. <laughs> the thing. And he's just trying to sell him like something on the side. It's just out of nowhere. Yeah, there's a ladies' model as well. If your wife wants one. Yeah, it's and got that a bit of a 
business mm. on the side selling knockoff watches. It's just, uh, yeah, but a nice little, it's more than, would you describe that as a cameo role, American Idol? Yeah, I think it's, so. I think so. Yeah, it was, it was, it worked really well. It worked really well. Um, and that's the last we see of him. Yeah. Isn't it? That's no more. It's night, I assume the same day. It's nighttime um, sort of in the bathroom. We'll move on to the bedroom. And we've got this lovely sort of sweet point of view of a mirror reflection of Victor and Margaret brushing their teeth. I don't know what this says about them, but Margaret's very gentle with her technique and Victor's thrashing away, closing <laughs> the mouth. He, he did confuse the toothpaste for hairstyling moose. Hairstyling moose, didn't he? Another he does have vi- a lot of problem with nozzles in his... He does, uh, doesn't he? Like, that, yeah. In Starbound it happens, doesn't it? Where Endgame. the Endgame. Yeah. You know. In Endgame it happens with, uh, I don't know if it's moose or something similar. But yeah, it, it just yeah. looks funny when he's, it's, it goes everywhere. That's it's, it's almost a pointless thing, but it just looks funny when it's going everywhere. Yeah. And they're just sort of casually discussing the day. Pippa's pregnant. And Victor makes a, an amusing... He has an amusing response to that, saying, "Didn't think she had room for one." I said, "A baby." Sounded quite, his response. His response sounds odd because he thinks room for one. Which means room for a baby, as in 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 her stomach or physically <laughs> in her house. Uh, what else do we learn? He that Victor was an accident. Oh yes, yes, he was. Um, he was a careless oversight as a result of his mum and dad's first night in Skegness. We learn. Yeah, um, it's we quite... learn that she didn't want a baby. She wanted a new gas cooker. Yeah, poor old Victor though. It's, just, <laughs> it's funny, but it's there's this very subtle insight into his life. It comes across as quite tragic. There is lots of bad things that happen. He wasn't even planned, but lots of lots of people do plan to have children. But doesn't mean their kids aren't loved. But yeah, it's yeah. I I was also a careless oversight. I've, Were you? Yeah, yeah. And your parents? They just come out with it, or did they sort of go break the news, or was it just? Well, they did, they did tell me, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't need them to tell me. I just, you know, look at their life now and work backwards. Yeah. They, they definitely weren't responsible adults when I was born. So. <laughs> but <laughs> that's they, right. they did tell me. <laughs> it's, that's for a separate podcast, I think. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, yes. Uh, at the point, Victor's kind of gone downstairs to check the back door after learning that he shouldn't really be alive, <laughs> according mm. to everybody's plans. Yeah. Margaret sort of has a route through the bathroom cabinet looking for something or other and finds something. Yeah, she finds some pills that belong, the, the ginseng pills that belong to Patrick. And because of, have we mentioned that Victor's got, yeah, he's got hemorrhoids. So he's been sticking these up his arse, basically thinking they're um, suppositories, mm. which Margaret is just wincing. And she does the next scene, she does something she actually owns up and tells the truth where traditionally we said that she doesn't really say anything she likes to keep she rather keep the truth hidden but this this surely was one of those occasions where patrick does not need to know what victor was doing with these pills no that, like, she it, must have yeah. gone around there and said oh i'm so sorry here's your gen- ginseng pills um my but husband it, happened to have been sticking them up his ass for the last week and a half i guess it's that situation where you, where, where you just <laughs> explain too much because you, you're feeling guilty and you just overtell it, depending on what personality you are. I'm probably one of those people who just talk too much. To, yeah. Because you think you'd be talking yourself out of a situation. But the one time she decides to tell the truth, I think she just shares rather too much. Mm. Um, so yes. That's a, that's a very yeah. short, 
short scene in Patrick's back garden, and then we we switch to yeah uh, the kitchen, Patrick's kitchen, where he his pippers in there. Yeah, he's obviously bemused. Mm. We find out exactly what Mr. Malju has been doing with these pills. The mystery of my missing ginseng capsules. Remember, I was hunting high and low for them last night. Where were they? Oh, uh, Mr. Malju had been sticking them up his bottom. <laughs> Why didn't she just go to Pippa? Just say, look, this is really embarrassing. You know, I actually took these home and Victor's used one. Say yeah. no more about it. Well, of course, it's comedy. We need, we need to see these reactions don't we yeah this um, i mean this is where the comedy comes from isn't it really so patrick says something at the end of this he chucks them away purely because they're, they're tarnished I mean, it's a psychological thing at this point they've been up his ass not all of them but he would have done and he says patrick he says unbelievable i say it again just remind me of basil faulty um victor. i mean that you know that's you see he's slowly turning into victor as he gets older anyway yeah that's explored a little bit, isn't it? Yeah. Like he took, when he looks in the mirror. You're going to tell me the episode, aren't you? The Patrick, the, we're in the Meldrews kitchen. Pippa comes round to present a little little gift to Margaret. It's the pot of herbal. Well, it's presented in like a grey, ash-coloured, a pot of this tea, herbal remedy tea, as a little gift, which just brings great joy to Margaret. Pretty much immediately leaves it. I mean, it looks like Margaret's getting ready to go out anyway. She's got a coat on. Yeah, she's ready um, to go. So Pippa um, leaves, Margaret accepts the gift, and then the front doorbell rings, and it turns out. And it's, in. yes, uh, Mr. Sweeney, he's just come back from his grandmother's funeral. Yes. Yeah, he's, so he's, he's definitely on a downer now, isn't he? Mr. Sweeney is, yeah, very solemn, as, as you'd expect. Yeah, Margaret asks how many were there, and yeah. responds with six of us counting the corpse. As in the corpse, who'd say that? It's just... <laughs> So bizarre, isn't it? You were just I'm not totally going to say that next time I go to a few. Six and the cops, <laughs> and it's not even sarcasm. It's just him being him. It's yeah, just innocence, isn't it? And um, that he's, he's just put his mother back in the house before he came round. But Auntie, his Auntie Min is yeah waiting in the car to be taken home. Taken home, and so the reason for his visit, I think, is to say thank you for some flowers that. Margaret and Victor had sent, or presumably yes. Margaret had sent. Yeah, since Margaret works at the florist, it just keeps up that idea that she's definitely in work. Yeah, um, so he, he then he notices that she's going to the shop and offers her a lift. Yes. Um, and then Margaret exits to go and get something from upstairs and leaving yep. Nick in the kitchen, having and, to wander about. And Victor comes in the house. He's not quite up to speed on what's happened, is he? At which point Nick's sort of, he's been sort of looking at things. He looks at a yeah. bottle of paprika or something on the worktop and he yeah. happens to pick up this container of tea mm. at which point Victor enters Victor enters and he, Victor learns that he's just come back from a funeral and it's a classic mix up here because yeah, some people in the audience have got it already you hear a yeah. tiny amount of laughter there because yeah. what Nick's holding looks like it looks, yeah, it's going to be container that would have ashes from a crematorium in it yeah, as you'd... dressed as a as... <laughs> Somebody totally get it. To a funeral, yeah. Totally get it from Victor's point of view because, I guess, and well, Vic, unless he hasn't paid attention to Margaret, he doesn't know it's his grandmother that's passed away, not his actual mother. Bear in mind, he and we never see either of them, especially the mum. So, I can understand why Victor assumed she'd passed away. And yeah, yeah he, like you said, Nick Swaney saying things like. Um, She's still a bit on the hot side, referring to his mother, who's uh, had a prickly heat. 
prickly heat, yeah. yeah. Whilst no holding. Sooner, no sooner we got her up there than we lost her. Yeah. Referring, of course, to her jaunt around the hospital in an electric wheelchair. <laughs> and he, he just thinks his mother's died and there he is holding her ashes in his kitchen. Yeah, and to say like that phrase, still a bit on the hot side, it's yeah. just bloody morbid, isn't it? <laughs> Take a while to cool down, I expect, he says. And it's yeah. Like Victor's just looking at this urn, thinking, well, saying, yeah, yeah, I, I expect it will, wondering yeah. what the hell is going on. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Sweeney leaves. I said I'd give your wife a lift in. It's on my way. You couldn't do me a favour while I'm gone and keep an eye on Mother for me. <laughs> Only, it's just the thought of leaving her on her own. Do you know what I mean, if you don't mind? No. No, right. And he thinks, because he thinks Mr. Sweeney's a bit bonkers, he literally does assume he means the, the what he thinks is the urn on his dining room table, uh, kitchen table. And uh, Victor, too polite to sort of question it, so okay. And he, I mean, if this was real, if he would had to be responsible for looking after someone's urns. So a, f- a marvellous, this is just what makes one put the grave one put the grave now, because Victor's in the living room, and does he carry it into the he very carefully carries very it. Carefully. I don't know why he doesn't leave it where it is. Just Maybe he just it. doesn't want it on his kitchen table. But... Maybe, yeah, with like near the, where the food is prepared. And he's carefully walking into the uh, dining room area and the f- telephone rings, which kicks off because he spills the pot of ash, pot, well, pot of tea, but he thinks it's the ashes. And he's in an absolute state. And it's just some spam telephone call uh, trying to sell witch, mm. a witch magazine. Yeah. It's funny because that's an internet comparison site, isn't it? Which or like a consumer? Yeah, um, I think it, I don't know if it still is, but it used to be a physical magazine. Did it used to be? Okay, yeah, I didn't yeah. know that. I just thought it was a coincidence, but no, it really is. Yeah. And we get an "I don't believe it" from Victor. We don't get as many "I don't believe it" word for word as we think. They're all sort of "What in the name of God?" Oh, I don't believe, and he'll stop mid-sentence. But we get an "I, I don't believe say it." Say on average, he says it less than once per episode. I think you're right. Yeah. Definitely right. And I've got to admit, like, I watched this episode probably not when it aired because I would have been five. Is it 91? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not, yeah. So I was five and a half. So say I watched it when I was seven, eight, nine. I I didn't quite follow the Mr. Sweeney grandmother mix up. So I remember watching this just go, oh my God, can you imagine being in that situation? Um, You just put yourself in Victor's shoes. But of course, he gets the hoop. I don't know what possessed him to hoover them up unless he was going to, oh no, because he wasn't. So I was saying to myself on the rewatch, if, you're, if I was Victor, I'd probably do my best to get the hoover bag and retrieve what you could. I know there might be other bits of crap in there, but you just do your best. But Victor's... Just get, a, get a fresh hoover bag. Yeah. Just hoover it up with that. That is, think, that is, think that is... that back into the urn, but no. That is just, using initiative. Yeah. Yeah. Of course he doesn't. Up into the into the mm. into the Hoover, and then then he's faced with a problem that he's got to replace these ashes somehow. Well, I just think actually, just to be OCD, it's always annoying. He didn't quite Hoover them up properly. There's like a he didn't, line. No, of it. he didn't, did he? He left some. He left some, and that Hoover is bloody huge, isn't it? It's like yeah, it's one of those big old fashioned upright Hoovers with the light on the front. Yeah. <laughs> and anyway, his plan is semi. I don't know. It's a long way. It's the, it's the long way of round things. But he gets the toilet roll, gets a, a frying pan, and dashes outside. Brings us straight away to Patrick in his office at home. Of course, he's watching him. 
He's watching him. He's always on the lookout for Victor. And it's so frustrating because you just want to say to Patrick, he's doing this for a good reason. Like, he's just trying to make it right. <laughs> but from your point of view, you're just seeing this mad old git fry bog roll with, did he mention he's got olive oil or something? To... Yeah, Mazzola cooking oil and he's mashing up the ashes oh, with a rolling pin. We learn in this scene as well, it's, it kind of feels like a throwaway line, but we learn, which becomes relevant later, that Pippa has a leaving due at lunchtime at work. Oh, yes. He casually drops that in, which comes yeah, to... Yeah, everything's always relevant, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Nothing is uh, nothing is unused, really, in a Renwick script. No, that's true. It's, it's, it's not just pointless dialogue. We're at the Maldrews kitchen at, at night time. Mm-hmm. Did you hear Victor mention the video rental? I did, yeah. So he's been back to the shop after he upset... He's, uh, he's been moaning again about it. He's not, it's not Mrs. Burridge again, is it, do you think? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Sheila stayed there. Hmm. She might have. He might have driven her away. Yeah. But in any case, he's moaning about. It. He didn't moan about any particular person. No. There, just that it's it's inefficient. That they gave him the wrong change. He had to. Yeah. Go trips in all the way back when he'd almost reached home, which is why he's late home for his dinner as Margaret's cooking in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. I almost certainly don't think it'd be to do with Mrs. Burridge, because no. lesson learned for Victor, I think, in that regard. Yeah. I like how. Um, he kept, Margaret's asking if he wants to use the new bread up, and he said the stale bread's fine for toast, mm. which is true. Like I don't, if it's bread is a little bit, not I don't mean with mould, but if it's a little bit like tough, I don't mind it in, as toast because it just comes out the same. Just it's one time, of those things that just like it makes it real. Yeah, it's, that's what I think. Like it's all these little things, moaning about junk mail in a magazine or spam telephone calls or British Telecom. It's just real. There's not that many things in, in the props as well. There's a there's a nice little touch by the props person, presumably when the Margaret's setting up the dinner on the table in one episode. I can't remember which, but there's a, a full ketchup bottle on top of which is a oh yeah another ketchup bottle that's just draining You've, the rest of it into it's the so new detailed, bottle. And things like that. It just makes it real. The only the only the sitcom I can I can really think of that goes into those kind of details is Two Point Four Children. Yes, I love Two Point Four Children. And it's annoying, you can, you can only get three, well, for years you can only get the first three series, as I'm sure yeah. you know, but uh, Gary, Gary Olsen yeah, yeah. passed away, didn't he? Like, not long he is, after. He was like 48, wasn't he? That was, like, a big hit in the 90s. This, One from the Grave, and... It's um, rights, apparently. There's a lot of music in that show that they've just done. Want to pay for the rights to use strange, to be broadcast. I think that's why it is. And, but I found it online that we're selling them the, the whole eight seasons on a, presumably a pirate. Yeah. DVD for like 20 quid. But yeah, go back to so the detailing in One Foot in the Grave is just marvellous and it yeah, adds that element of realism. Mm. Probably makes up for the fact that there's lots of surreal stuff which you surely would think would never happen. But because yeah. it's happening in the world where there's lots of rela- relatable things, it brings it home to you that you think, actually, maybe that could happen. I don't know. Um, there's a little dig at the paper boys. Uh, there's a paper, I assume it's a paper book, it could, could be a girl, posting um, a shredded as it's posted through yeah it's too thick uh, for the letterbox so he says um, i don't know why they just don't print it on confetti and <laughs> good. picking so, up the shredded remains off the doormat having a go at the old uh paper boys similar to palsy towers where basil would always have a little pop at the uh, paper boy who was always late or you yeah. know not quite reliable uh, Victor reads. You're gonna, I'm going to leave this bit to you. He he reads the the editor section. Can you recount some of the ridiculous stories in there? 
So yeah, for, for, we hear from Mimsy Berkowitz, who is the newspaper Agony Ant, and we hear about her later on in the Executionist song as well. Yeah. Um, so he, he just starts reading the problem pages. That's apparently what he was so keen on. He's like, mm. right, where is it? Where is it? And he finds her. Dear Mimsy, <laughs> I wonder if I'm unusually only having one eyebrow. I think he's one of them. Yeah. Apparently just goes like just a single eyebrow going right around the head. Um, <laughs> that's just a monobrow. That's just a monobrow. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. I don't think it's particularly unusual. I live in Manchester, so I know it's not particularly un- unusual. Right. <laughs> um. <laughs> we, we learn of his victor's age, doesn't it, as well, don't we? Talking about the doomsday dung. We do. So while he's reading through these problem articles, um, he finds an article about manure. Mm. which catches his eye. The, the headline is Gardener's Reel at Doomsday Dung Horror. Yeah. Um, and he, he begins reading it and he talks about people in the local area being, you know, hearing about this and being frightened yeah. of mutant parsnips and giant stampeding earthworms. Yeah, yeah. Right. Meanwhile, the spreader of the Doomsday Dung, Victor Meldrew, 61, had for 61. the time being gone to ground. Yeah, it's interesting. He's... Uh... So, he says, uh, gone to ground, I'd gone to Gateway. Like, <laughs> do you remember Gateway? Yeah, it was like Safeway, wasn't it? Was it yeah, so, so there was Summerfield and Gateway. So Gateway yeah, together. that's right. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I remember Gateway from a young childhood. Yeah. yeah. I was in Gateway. Was, yeah. was that, did that become Safeway? Or was it Summerfield? No. Um, was it just his own? Safeway oh, turned into Morrison's. Morrison's, that's right. Summerfield and Gateway came together. If I remember rightly, Summerfield was the big supermarket. And Gateway was the little local yeah. versions of that. Yeah, almost like the co-op of yeah, on exactly. a small level. Sainsbury's local type thing. So that's where Victor had been apparently when the journalists were banging his door down mm. for a comment on this. And they Morrison's they, was from the north originally, wasn't it? Leeds, Leeds I think. Yeah, yeah. Leeds. Right in the woods, yeah. Um, and these the newspaper articles, dear editor. I guess the modern day version of that is um, people mo- moaning online, like on forums <laughs> or Facebook. Do you, I don't. I don't use. I used to use Facebook. They used to be like spotted in. Say you lived in Bristol, spotted in Bristol, then people would be posting um, what they've seen and slacking businesses off and yeah. members of the public. That's basically what Victor's in a roundabout way doing, or being on the receiving end of yeah. through that. Uh, it doesn't really happen. I don't think. But I'm sure people do write into local newspapers, but. At least in the local newspapers, there's a there's a copy editor somewhere who's, yeah. you know, standing in the way of absolute garbage and publication, true. which of course you don't get online. No, that's true. It's just anybody can say anything and expect to have it taken seriously. Yeah, um, but back onto yeah. the doomsday song, uh, we we learn that some of the members of the public think the the, the glow coming from the manure is some sort of radio radioactive <laughs> activity, but we know it's the fairy lights. Yep. Um, strange sinister glow in the dark has been seen emerging from the compost apparently yes it's just victor's fairy lights all very innocent all very innocent um but that we get a knock at the door and it's chairman of the allotments association um, mr ben kelly ben kelly did, did you recognize him from anything he looks like he's been around for a while even no, then i don't think i did oh he sounds mr killick i thought he said kelly. Um, oh maybe it's ben killick then michael robbins right Died in, he died in 92, died a year later, 62. Oh, wow. Blimey. So what's Mr. Killick? Killick, yeah. yes. He's uh, announces himself as the chairman of the allotments and yeah. says that uh, Victor's recent consignment has caused some 
upset among some of their members and he's called yeah. around to inform him that as he puts it steps have been taken yeah. and Victor then explains that look it's all been declared perfectly safe there's been somebody over to take samples away for analysis yeah and it's absolutely fine and he says right well that's neither here nor there one question do you want your allotment or yeah. don't you and he was like well why is that an issue of course I do yeah so he's like, well, good. Well, otherwise we would have just taken it up to the tip, at which point he turns around and shouts, okay, George. Yeah, at which just... point George, who's apparently at the wheels of a, of a pickup truck, yeah, um, dumps Victor's entire allotment, including cabbages and God is that knows what. Is that, what they, is that acts it's almost like a, a form of, um, of dumping? Fly tipping? Fly tipping. Yeah. Is that a form of fly tipping in a roundabout way? I guess technically, yeah. Because he's in, he's the. It's not as if this guy owns. Well, I assume he's not like the landlord or he's just the chairman. Like, but there's like, you know, there's someone in, who oversees the management of the allotment. I don't know what what he thinks he, who he thinks he is, but yeah, and that's only yeah, going to cause he, cause more hassle for Victor yeah. in his life because he's already had local newspaper articles written about the manure and Patrick's j- jibes at him. Yeah, now it's not just a pile of manure, it's an entire allotment, allotment in front of his garden, so he's yeah, going to have to make some more excuses to the neighbourhood. This is right, and he's getting up, Victor's getting irate as the, the chairman drives off, and in the background we see Patrick coming up, and you think, oh god, here we go, he's going to give us 50p's worth. Victor snaps it in the same thing, you know, basically, don't you start. Yeah. I didn't, you know, I didn't, I, this is not verbatim, but I didn't mean for this to happen. It's not my fault. And it's yeah, clear that Patrick's got some, something distressing on his mind, or it looks like he's seen a ghost, if you like. I don't know. Something bad's happened. Mr. Mildrew! God save us, here we go. Look, it wasn't my fault. There was a bloody press that stirred all this up, the stupid senile. I didn't ask him to claw the bloody lot up and cut it back here again. Richard, will you wrap up? Patrick, what is it? I wondered if one of you could run me up to the hospital. It's been a very bad bus crash. He's very subdued and Margaret notices and just tells mm. Victor to shut up and asks Patrick what's wrong. Yeah. And he asks, would you mind taking me up to the uh, hospital? Uh, next scene, obviously at the hospital, Pippa's in a bad way. She's got a neck brace on. She looks, she literally looks like death warmed up. The, the makeup is sort of very pale, dark eyes. Mm. Looks like the BBC have spent a few quid on making it look like she's paralysed, if you like, I don't know. And she's recounting what's happened. Maniac with bollocks for brains. I could have ploughed across the traffic and killed 50 people. I don't know how I didn't. Breath test was positive, of course. Isn't it always? Why are people ever going to get it into their skulls? He should be locked away for life. There's simply no excuse. No. No, I don't think you understand, Margaret. My breath test was positive. (laughs) No. Just over three milligrams or something. I mean, I know I was fine, but that's not the point, of course. You're quite right, Margaret. No excuse at all. Lunchtime. One of the office staff was leaving. Had three martinis pushed into my hand. Well, I've paid for it now, haven't I? That's all right. Try not to keep thinking about it. Lost my licence. Lost my job. Lost 
more misdirection because it's revealed that she was drink driving. So she, but like we mentioned earlier, or like you mentioned, reminded me she'd been on a works lunch, a farewell lunch meal for one of her colleagues <clears throat> and had one too many pina coladas or whatever. Three martinis. Three martinis. Hand, yeah. yeah. And she caused the accident. And obviously we see Patrick's react, uh, initial reaction. Yeah. And the worst of all is she's lost her child. And it's you know, just like the making of all great sitcoms that they, they do they do this. Fools and horses that happens, you know, someone losing the baby. It's happened here, especially a sitcom, and they've just announced a pregnant woman's lost her baby and it's her fault. Yeah. Um it's a, it's you, you don't know how to feel, like it's bad, it's terrible, it's a terrible loss. But I guess you feel for Patrick more than anything. He's remarkably she, understanding. He is so like this is okay. For Patrick. Yeah, oh my God, I mean, that's true love. That is like being by your partner's side, isn't it? Mm. Um, who knows, he might have had a delayed bit of PTSD about it and gone crazy. Maybe that's what yeah. drives him to be even more, yeah, lack of tolerance with Victor as time goes on, takes out on his neighbour. Yeah. But yeah, that's horrible. Um, but it's her fault, so did you feel sorry for... Well, what, were you, what were your thoughts? When you I did. I mean, it, I mean, there was still somebody that shot out of a side street and hit her. Mm. So it was the the accident itself was somebody else's fault. It just yeah. is unfortunate that she happened to have had a drink and was just three milligrams over the limit. She says in the scene she knows she was fine, but she also knows that's not the point. True. Yeah. But yeah. yeah um, the accident probably wasn't caused by her, but because she's had a drink, she's she's culpable. Feels like drink driving laws weren't were quite tame up until mid two thousands. I don't know. I could be wrong. Yeah, I don't know. I think I was probably too young back then to really appreciate what drink driving was. So yeah. I don't really have a sense I, of how it was sort of viewed. Yeah. You know, now it's one of the worst things you can do. Yeah. But I remember in my you know my dad's village, who he lives in the middle of nowhere. People would often drive home pissed from the pub. It's just mm. what they did. Yeah. Yeah. Now that very relaxable. Absolutely. Um, very, it's not quite the end of the episode. We're um, back at the Maldrews. Quite often we finish in, in uh, their bedroom at, at night. Mm. Victor's uh, philosophising with his cup of yeah. tea, in inverted a- commas. That's right. Accidents will happen, as he says. Yeah. So, well, drink driving isn't an accident as such, but I know what he means. Yeah. Um, and it's really very moving, touching scene brought brought um, a few goosebumps to me, to my, uh, my entire body, actually. But Margaret says, I found a note for you, a post-it note. And you think, no, not again. But it just says, thanks. And uh, she said, you're going to put it in your scrapbook. And he goes, what scrapbook? So he's, they've kind of moved on. A new era in Patrick and Victor's uh, life. Yeah. Um, I guess Patrick's thing has more to life than these petty squabbles. Victor obviously thinks the same. And so, let's clear something up for me here. So Victor's drank what he, what Margaret thinks is this herbal tea. How's the bedtime drink? Yeah, it's fine. What is it? It's a special herbal tea. People got it for me at the health food shop. Said, drink all that back and you'll have the best night's sleep ever. <laughs> And then they, they cut the light out and there's this uh, 
Um, Bring it up, isn't he? You just hear this sort of almost discordant lullaby music as, as we fade away from the from the bedroom window and, and the foreground the is done. the uh, is the allotment covered in fairy lights. It's back. Yeah. Um, and then the this weird discordant music just sort of cuts itself off. The bedroom light comes on. We see it from the outside and yes. we just hear Victor vomiting up this concoction of fried loo roll and water that he seems to have drunk as a, as a bed. Is that, is that just to confirm that's what he's drunk? It's not yeah. some of the, yeah, because I thought it's something that's come back, gone around, it's gone around the full circle, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, he's, he's drunk the, uh, he's drunk the ashes. Yes, <laughs> yeah, because obviously Margaret, he's poured it back in there, of course, yeah. there's no communications. She could have easily have drank some herself, you know. Yeah, she probably did. I mean, it can't um, have been that nice if it can be recreated with blue roll, <laughs> cooking oil, and a. Summarise your thoughts for me on on that uh, special. I think it's uh, a very enjoyable special. I think it's like I said at the at the start. I don't think it's very similar to Who's Listening. I think it's very much led by dialogue. Yeah. And um, very little that's funny actually really happens in this. It's all yeah. This the plot this isn't thick, is it? Uh, the scenes are much longer than mm. they are in Who's Listening. Yeah. Um, so it almost seems to me like it's just a bunch of ideas brought together into a Christmas special. Mm. Um, yeah. And I think that's happened before, in, well, after this, but, you know, before in history with the, the Man Who Blew Away, the first episode of Series 5, which was supposed to be a half an hour special, but uh, David had to stretch it out to 40 minutes because that's what the BBC wanted for a, for a Christmas special. So he just extended some yeah. of the dialogue scenes so i think yeah. that seems to me that that might be what also happened here maybe yeah i i think uh it's a year apart from who's listening and i don't know if they changed i don't know anything about um filming techniques and camera equipment but it just seems a slightly higher quality of yeah. picture because who's listening really looks quite dated especially mm. with in the community hall scene Everything in this seems a little bit more modernised. It's only a year later, but IMDb scores are eight point one out of ten. Um, so that's quite a high score. <laughs> when I re- watched this back, I thought not a lot has happened. It's just it's just averagely very funny. In the one from the grave world, it's still great and it's still funnier than most comedies out there, especially now. But it's still a bit below par com- compared to what we will be getting. It's yeah, I think of, I think of all the all the Christmas specials, this one is my least favourite. Yeah, but I think it's still I, I'd very good. Agree. Yeah, I still absolutely. Prefer to watch this over most other things. Yes, the series three will precede this in February of nineteen ninety two. Monday morning will be fine, so that'll be reviewed soon. But yeah, I think unlike last episode, Ben, we're going to try and re- well, I'm going to try and re- remember the Meldrew Bone segment. Can you believe the nerve of this? I've skinned their ruddy heights for them. I was thinking a very brief moan. So annoying how streaming sites do not include one foot in the grave. Apart, okay, BritBox has it, all right. But most, not necessarily, a lot of people have Netflix. The way to introduce a newer, people who have never watched one foot in the grave before, mainly under 30s, under 25s, is to stick it on there. With your, you know, your forty towers, the full songs, and they just for some reason don't. It's a BBC owned content. Netflix buy a lot of BBC stuff. It was mm. massively popular. I don't think it would um, break too many rules. Not to get political, uh, I guess some people could that 
look on the diverse side of things. But I just, it's, it's just it, I do moan when I think, when are you going to include it? Surely, but eventually they will. And I love it. And it would do the podcast, the world of good, because I, hopefully people will want to watch it, something on Netflix and a one foot in the grave episode and maybe listen to someone like me jabbering on, you know, with someone like you who knows a lot more than I do about one of the day. So then just then then they, then they can build their passion for it even more. And people that can talk about nice. it. Yeah. But you know, that's more of a wish than a moan. Have you got anything like to moan about? It doesn't have to be anything related to comedy, your work, anything. Uh, well, work's kind of hellish as usual, but I think the thing I'm going to moan about tonight, which I'll hopefully solve over the weekend, is my COVID hair. Your COVID hair, that's yes, like quite a I'm common thing, isn't it? Unable to get a haircut until mid-July, so I'm going to have to attack it with the uh, the clippers. Well, so. that's that's what I, I brought some. I'll tell you what I did, actually. It's quite, it wasn't planned, but brought some clippers on Amazon. When they arrived... I can't say pointed out they're actually beard trimmers. They're not hair clippers. So it was tiny. So I sent that back. I went into Boots, brought a cheap box of clippers. And the lady sent me very chatty and, you know, just go, oh, you have your hair cut, you know. Went home. Um, it already had some charge on it. So my fiance, she just, she sh- she didn't show you my hair. She just basically shaved the back and sides and left the top a little bit long. Because I didn't want a, a bold skinhead. Left it yeah. in my fringe. Well, she did a very good job. This is about five, six weeks ago. Excellent. And then once we finish using it, I put it on charge, ready for the next time I might need it. Because like, most electronic things come with a bit of charge, don't they? Like mobile phone or whatever. And a couple of hours later that day, I thought, I'll just turn it on to see if it's for the judge. It was completely dead. It wasn't working. So I thought, bloody hell. So I went back out on the way, because I was on my way to work. So I do work from home, but I have a second job where I keep working role. I'll go back and return it so i went back in there and i and i went in my new haircut the box <laughs> and i thought please don't have the same lady as there was before and she's the same bloody lady right i said look um i know it, i know what it looks like but i need to return these because they don't work i know you can clearly see i've had a haircut they don't work they're completely dead and i said look here's the plug charge plug it in you'll see it won't charge and she she was fine. She said, oh, that's, that's okay. She was considerably less chatty this time. She's probably thinking of putting in the first one. <laughs> she said, you can re- replace it. Like, there's we have another one. I said, well, I don't really want the same brand to be honest with you. Like, if it's not going to work for that one, the next one could be the same. I'd just rather refund. And she refunded it. Right. And then I couldn't shut her up before, but the second time she was just, like, not chatty <laughs> with a massive mask over her face. So I left that store uh, with my money back. I thought, I've literally had a free haircut. Like not just because I got the full refund, a free haircut. Like, you know, I didn't have to cut it myself. And I thought, what a, what a great little unintentional scam. But um, I told that story about five, six times the following day to different people. They just found it quite amusing. It does sound but, like it would be a plot that would happily it, fit into one foot in the grave. Yeah, but I came out winning really because I got my money back and I had a haircut. And it, my hair looked all right, like so people yeah. said. I thought Gossip uh, did a very good job, but I need to buy it again because it's getting a bit longer. So <laughs> I don't think I'm going to do the same thing. Yeah. But uh, also, um, on the top of clippers, I don't know about you, if I go to a barber, that they say, what number would you like a clipper? It's like one, two, three, four. It's not done like that with measurements on these packages. It's done in millimetres. Oh, is it? So I was like, it, it, it will say like, oh, um, cone sizes from two millimetres to 16 millimetres. I thought, it's easy to convert it, you just Google it. 
Yeah. For the record, 12 millimeters is a number four. So I wanted a number four because I really didn't want it too short. Yeah. But yeah, that's not really a moan. That's just an anecdote I thought was funny. But I guess I'm moaning because I'm going to buy another one. And obviously, your COVID haircut, you were saying. It looks fine for the, for the list back home. I can see Ben. It's perfectly <laughs> fine. But obviously, you think otherwise. It needs work. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, normal, we're, we're getting back to normality to some extent now, aren't we? Like, for me, I've been working throughout, like, which is, I'm glad. Work from home, yeah, second job, fine. And you have as well. The social life is actually um, is a bit difficult yeah um this is maybe what i should have had my meldrum on about but when you work from home a dripping tap is a big deal <laughs> and i've i have a dripping tap in the kitchen and i got in touch with my landlord and said can i have a plumber and they said yep contact this guy you'll be right out to do it for you right. contacted him said he'd be around waited in no sure the tap continues to drip I continue to lose a, a, a shred of sanity for every drip that I hear. You should uh, got Nick Sweeney. Wasting a lot of water. That's true. And that's your water bill. I mean, if you got Nick Sweeney around, he would have got on his back, tried to fix the pipes, and he would have got stuck there. Oh, yeah, he'd be so there for days. I couldn't be doing with that. What episode was that again? Uh, that will have been uh, Descent into the Maelstrom. Is that the episode with the three cars that Victor... No, no, that's straight exterminating angel. I guess one of the um, best episodes ever. It but is, I can't yeah, wait to yeah. review that. Oh, I do not believe. Will you look at this, bastards? Can you believe the nerve of this? I skin the ruddy heights for them. Okay, so that's not a bad moment collectively. We made it for last week, and uh, yeah. thank you very much for listening. I'd just like to thank you again, Ben, for taking up your time. No I will um, exploit your knowledge and uh, passion for the show once again if you would like to come on. Absolutely. There is uh, another chap who's keen to have a go, so he may well be on the next episode. Monday morning will be fine. Series 3, episode 1. That will be recorded soon. Uh, please get in touch at podcast.gmail.com or you can tweet at onefootinthepod. I'm on Facebook as well really good one for the grave groups on there which i uh, a few bits of content on there you can look at it's quite good but um yeah it's been a pleasure once again ben benjamin i was going to call you benjamin on your zoom uh username now we'll give the surname away but yeah any any final thoughts i think you have given me your final thoughts i'm wobbling on but anything else you want to say about anything at all not at all right. i'm out of thoughts fantastic well thank you once again listeners and i shall well you should be hearing from me in the next week or so Cheers. Oh, I'm in the grave.